Welcome to the Fantasy Football BS on the BS Podcast Network with your host, Bryduck and the Snowman. This podcast is for all fantasy football players from the newbies and the beginners to the most experienced players. This podcast is sponsored by AirCare Heating and Cooling, your number one heating and cooling professional provider serving San Jose, California and surrounding areas. In this episode, we will break down the 2020 NFL Draft and the impacts each will have in the upcoming season at the QB, running back, and wide receiver and tight end positions. So sit back and listen up to this great content that will help you dominate your league so you're the one holding the fantasy football trophy at the end of the season. It's Bride Duck and Snowman. They come from San Man. They drop a little knowledge about the fantasy program. It's fantasy football. Division rivals player. Snowman's a Bronco while Bride Duck's a Raider. But that just makes for better bullshitting. Two of the smartest football minds, so listen. A Raider in Fort Worth, a Bronco in the Bay. A mission to the top of the standings to stay. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Fantasy Football BS. I'm the Snowman with my co-host, my Texas native and Las Vegas Raider, Bryduck. Just cracked open my beer for the episode. I'm, ch- I'm changing it up today, everyone. I'm uh, actually going with a non-California beer today. Going with a two-hearted ale from Bell's Brewery out of Michigan. Uh-oh, so going away from Cali beer, so it'll actually taste good, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you. Uh, <laughs> and the crazy thing is it's actually rated the top IPA three years in a row. And it really? actually beat Yeah, and it actually beat out Russian River, which is out here, and uh, they do the Pliny the Elder out here in California. Where, so, where, where's Lagunitas land on that list? Uh, I, I actually don't know. I don't know where they land. Uh, their their normal IPA is probably not even within the top ten because it's not considered since they got bought out by Heineken. But did they? It, I didn't know that. Yeah, they got bought out so that way they can dis- distribute their beer a little bit further. So you out huh. there in Texas should be able to go into a bar and see Lagunitas on. Yeah, top you, now. you know what's hilarious is when I moved out here to Texas, one of my buddies that I met out here, he was like, "Have you tried this Lagunitas?" And I just started laughing. I was like, "Yeah, man, I've tried Lagunitas." <laughs> <laughs> like that is a very typical beer from California. I um, actually, my first, I, I think I was twenty, newly twenty-one. And I went to the, the Brit out here in Cali. You, too many good times over there. I know you know that. Yep. But uh, there was an actual rep there. And he was a rep from Lagunitas and straight up was trying to get the beer on tap and went up to me and one of my uncles and was like, hey, if I buy you guys all your beers for the day, will you only drink Lagunitas? And show to the bartender that it would actually do well and if it tastes good? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm not going to turn down free beer. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm a moron. I don't want free beer. Get away from me. Yeah. And uh, needless to say, it was a, it was a long day and, it, and I needed to take a taxi because there was no Ubers back then. So, so it was a nice change of pace. So you were kind of like the female being hit on to get a free beer. And even though you weren't interested, you were still like, yeah, I'll take a free beer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, it was, it was nice to, to nice change of pace yeah. that I was the one actually hit on getting free beer versus trying to hit on a, a female at the bar yeah you gotta love that you gotta love that how, yeah. how are you doing right now brad Ugg? i'm doing good man i just uh went crazy in the gym for two hours and uh feeling fresh feeling energized and ready for this episode i was uh you know just kind of sitting here and i was like you know am i gonna do my protein shake am i gonna do my bcaas but i'm just sticking with that high quality h2o right now oh Oh, there you go. Gatorade is better. What a sex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if there's a. I, I know there's this episode be a, is going to be he- heavily uh, content driven. So for me, I was like, man, I better better get in there, start getting ready for this pod, and make sure we're providing the right content to the listeners today. Yeah, and and just jumping right into that. Why don't you tell them about what we're going to be covering this episode? Yeah, so uh, this this uh, episode, we're going to be talking draft recap, top players, you know, your quarterbacks, your wide receivers, tight ends, their fantasy impacts, uh, some of the sleepers to be looking out for, and then, of course, our top five winners and losers from the draft. I know this is a, a few months after the actual draft, but this will be a nice little recap for you guys, and only about, you know, a few weeks before some people are going to start drafting their leagues, so get this information information 
fresh in your mind, get the content fresh in your mind. And hopefully uh, it'll help you guys when you get to those draft boards and, and knowing which rookies to be looking out for. So I think it's going to be a great episode for the listeners. It'll be heavy content again, but that's, you know, that's kind of what we've been doing. We've been bringing a lot of information. So I hope you guys got your uh, pen and paper ready. Yeah. And again, if you miss something or just need a further explanation, or if you think we didn't cover something, please let us know. We'll give you a shout out at the next episode and, and make sure that we, we cover what we didn't cover in the next episode. Yeah, definitely. And then um, obviously want to hit you guys with our social media accounts. You know, we, we've said it before and we'll say it again. If you don't follow us on social media, you must not like football. So Instagram, <laughs> you got us at fantasy football BS again, Instagram at fantasy football BS uh, YouTube, same thing at fantasy football BS. And then on Twitter, you're going to catch us at fantasy FB BS. Um, and then you can also catch us on any of your uh, uh, podcast listening platforms, uh, Spotify, Podbean, iTunes, wherever you guys listen to your, your podcast, you'll be able to find us. So please go in there, uh, like, and subscribe to us. And uh, again, we're appreciating all the, uh, all the love that the fans are you know giving us right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and always finally, before we jump right into this, let's give a shout out to our sound engineer. Caught a classic. Fools think they rip shows, but they just average. Yeah. About smash. All right, Brian, just jumping, jumping right into this. Uh, this is going to be interesting. We, we, we did a live show on Instagram during, during the NFL draft. So now we're doing this for, for all y'all to, to just kind of show you everything. But first virtual draft. And the first round, again, just never disappoints. You're clear idiots. Uh, you're clear winners. Uh, thanks to just our, our NFL sources for, for helping us be able to, to drop some intel, or intel for everyone throughout that first round. But, Brian, what, what are your thoughts from the NFL draft this year? Yeah, so uh, my thoughts with the NFL draft this year is, is a lot of fun. You know, I think that – Obviously, getting some of the that intel we were able to get prior to picks was was awesome. It made it for a lot of fun. Obviously, the NFL draft is something that I look forward to every year. It's you know like Christmas Day for me. So it was a ton of fun, man. I, I think that a lot of teams did what they needed to do, and some teams, you know, just totally missed the mark. So it'll be it'll be fun to get into this and, and discuss some of those things. Yeah, first first virtual draft too. It 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 went off. It seemed to go with without a hitch. It, it, it was nice to see. I don't know if this is going to be something that's going to be going forward in the future. It, it seemed to to work with, with Zoom and, and everyone. And our, our NFL sources had, had told us that it was definitely different, that uh, they use Zoom for their discussions and kind of their war room that they'd like to, to bring out in the NFL draft anyways. But also, they actually had a specific password essentially that would allow them to be able to kind of look onto a website and be able to to see and track everyone uh in and out normally in your your draft room and your your war room you have the the tv screen with with constant picks coming up and being updated this time they had to do it virtually through through an actual secure website so just a lot of stuff went really well with a virtual draft and i'm definitely interested to see how it's going to affect the future when it comes right down to it. And when we discuss some of these positions, Brian, I know you've already said it before, but how is this virtual world going to be able to affect some of those rookies that are coming coming into those teams, kind of like a Joe Burrow? Yeah, I, th- I think all this virtual stuff that they had to do in the offseason is, is really put players behind. I know a lot of coaches have been very vocal about it too. Um, I mean, how could it not, how could it not impact them? Right. You've got, you're losing months of preparation going into the season that in a typical year you get. Uh, so it's going to be really interesting. I mean, especially with quarterbacks, like I think this year will be the first year in many years where we're not going to see a lot of rookie quarterbacks starting. Uh, you, you're going to get burrow and that's probably about it. Um, you know, unless there's injuries, of course, uh, then, you know, they'll probably plug in their rookies. But on a lot of depth charts, some of these rookies that were taken in the first round, you know, they're third, fourth string right now. You know, they've got to earn their spot. And, and it's going to be interesting to see what, what they're able to do before the season actually starts. Exactly. Uh, but with, 
with running backs too, I mean, wide receivers, tight ends, it takes time to build that rapport with your quarterback. They, they learn how fast you run routes, how, how fast you're in and out of your breaks, um, how fast you come up to the ball as a running back to get that handoff. You know, they learn all those little nuances that virtually you can't learn. Again, with this virtual world, I, I, I feel bad for the rookie class this year because I feel like a lot of them are going to be underprepared and we're not going to see a big you know, boom and rookie talent uh, this season cut right off the gates because a lot of them might not even be starting because they're not going to know the schemes, the, the, the plays, you know, a lot of that stuff that goes into this. Yeah. And we'll, we're going to be breaking down kind of each position real quick for the, for rookies and just the impacts that we think that they're going to be able to have either right away or mid season, whatever it may be. No wide receivers in the top 10 taken six in the first round. Most wide receivers taken in history, the deepest wide receiver class in history. It's crazy. Yeah, and I know that they thought that they were going to break the record with uh, how many wide receivers were going to go in that first round. Uh, I don't think they quite made it. I think, yeah, they got six total in the first round. I think the mark is seven is the is the record, if I'm not mistaken. So they almost hit that that record mark. But yeah, most wide receivers taken in the draft. Yeah, they hit the they hit the mark for the the first two rounds. They ended up getting 13 wide receivers in the first 64 picks that's that's the record but yeah only six in the first round four quarterbacks in the first round one running back in the first round typically uh, you you see only one running back taken in the first round usually most of that's in the second round nowadays and and the sec stayed on top with 15 players taken in the first round yeah we know where football is going on in in college down in the south there yeah Absolutely. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be uh, one of those years where I'm, I'm interested to see how it plays out. But with running backs, especially nowadays, I didn't think we were even going to see a rookie, a rookie go in that first round. So when it came in at spot number 32, I was like, oh, there we go. Chiefs Chiefs uh, definitely definitely got somebody in there. So and it was a great pick and I think a great fit. But, we'll you know, obviously we'll get into all that stuff. Yeah, and and let's let's just kind of jump jump right into into the QBs here uh, first. There, there were three QBs taken within the, the first six picks, four total in the first round. I don't think any of them really are going to be much of an impact for the 2020 season unless there are some, some injuries. Uh, the QB position is, is considered probably the hardest position to transition from, from college to, to the NFL. And, I mean, these play calls are, are almost a paragraph long. John Gruden's play calls are insane. Yeah. But, I mean – how do you think the virtual meetings are, are going to hinder these these QBs and and start off with with Joe Burrow and his impact that he's going to have for fantasy this year? Obviously, we touched on it, but virtually with quarterbacks, I think it impacts them definitely the most just because of learning those play calls, the nuances with as a quarterback, you touch multiple positions. As a wide receiver, you really only have to worry about yourself. As a quarterback, you have to worry about everybody else. You have to worry about is everybody on the offensive line lined up correctly? Are my wide receivers lined up correctly? Is my tight end? Is my running back? Is everybody in the right formation? All these things that go into the, those split seconds before a snap is actually, you know, before they actually hike the ball. That's what a quarterback is looking at. And not being able to be on the field and see that stuff and learn those things, I think it's going to be a huge impact for them. And then, you know, obviously with Joe Burrow, I think he's going to be the only one that's going to start again, barring any injuries or any, you know, unforeseeable impact there. Um, But with Burrow, I think, you know, you could probably expect a modest year out of him. I wouldn't expect for him to come out and light the league on fire just because he's not a dual threat. Um, yeah. The kid can run though. The kid can run, but I don't think he's going to be like a, a Lamar Jackson where he can rely heavily on running the ball if he doesn't feel comfortable throwing it um, and still get you those points. So relevancy for fantasy is Joe Burrow, somebody you might pick up, maybe not to start him this year. Now, if you're in like a keeper league uh, or one of those leagues where maybe you run a dual quarterback system, uh, which I know a lot of leagues that's kind of becoming trendy to, to run two court, two starting quarterbacks on your roster. Um, you know, Burrow could be given a look uh, at least on, on bye weeks but I think that's pretty much it. You got Tua. Uh, obviously, starter is going to be Fitzmagic. He's he's you know plugged in. Uh, probably great news for Tua. I think even though he says he's healthy, I think another year letting that hit a hip heal um, will just you know serve him that much better. 
Justin Herbert going into uh, Los Angeles Chargers. They got Tyrod Taylor. You know, Tyrod Taylor, people forget, Tyrod Taylor was a, a starting quarterback in this league already. And, you know, yep. he's not he's not just some, some schlub back there. He's going to get back there. He's going to do some work. So Tyrod Taylor could possibly take that starting position and hold on to it for a few years, depending on what he does, right? Exactly. I mean, Look what Ryan Tannehill did. They all kind of thought he was going to be a bridge the gap quarterback, took over and took off, and you know now he's the guy. So Tyrod Taylor's still young. Depending on what he does this year, that might be bad news for Herbert. So that's something to keep an eye on. And then you know obviously Jordan Love, the shocker, <laughs> going to Green Bay. What the fuck were they thinking? Shots fired! Shots fired! <laughs> like, I, I, I just look at the Packers draft, and I, I know we're going to get to top five losers and top five winners and everything, so I don't want to get too far ahead of myself here, but I, I look at their roster, and I'm just wondering, like, you have Aaron Rodgers, and he has no help. He's got Devontae Adams and, and Aaron That's Jones. It. That's yep. it, you know? And you go and draft a quarterback in the first round when it – you know, we already talked about it. This was the heaviest wide receiver draft in recent time, uh, maybe of all time. And you don't go get him a, a uh, impact player at wide receiver in the first round. I mean, hell, any other position. Why would you pick quarterback? You've got Aaron Rodgers. Now you've pissed him off. He's one foot out the door. So, I mean, good luck dealing with that drama. It's like the Brett, the Brett Favre saga all over again out there in Green Bay. Uh, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, to, to, to say it lightly, I don't think Jordan Love's going to see the field this year. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I agree. I think the only one that really is going to see the field is, is Joe Burrow. Again, third year in a row that the, the first pick was a, was a Heisman winner. Uh, Murray and, and Mayfield both coming out of uh, Oklahoma being the, the previous first round picks, but uh, agreed besides I mean, Joe Burrow, obviously, great college season is his senior year. He yeah. definitely has the accuracy uh, to hit those wide receivers early. Uh, I know Cincinnati struggled on, on offense, uh, scored 21-plus points just four times last year, which was the worst in the NFL. So they definitely needed, needed someone. But I, I, I agree, the dual threat, Lamar Jackson and, and – and Josh Allen, both kind of dual threat quarterbacks, they struggled their rookie year fantasy relevancy and ended up being QB 20 and 25 uh, around that range. So even them with having monster years last year still struggled their fantasy year for, for rookie. So I don't think he's going to be a draftable fantasy quarterback. I think maybe a bi-week quarterback that, that could come in depending on how good he does he does have some some decent weapons if they can stay healthy, and they're going to rely heavily on Joe Mixon out there. But I don't I don't think he's going to be uh, the guy, and I, I don't think people need to rush to to go think about drafting him this year and just keep an eye on him, put him on a watch list, maybe as a as a a bye week. Tua, I, I don't think I think it's the best thing as well for him to to sit unless Miami starts and goes midway through the season, and they're just terrible which could very well happen because Miami sucks but and and the fans rooting and cheering and calling to his name uh with the organization putting pressure on the on the coaching staff to start Tua I don't think he starts until mid-season maybe a similar situation with with Herbert but Tyrod Taylor agreed former starting quarterback and he can dual thread it for sure and be able to to do his thing out there <laughs> and yeah, and then, and, and then his offensive coordinator, you know, yeah, out there with Los Angeles now, so that helps Tyrod out. So there's a little bit of a a relationship already built there. Uh, so I think, yeah, I think that's a that's a good call there for sure. And Jordan Love just being the first skill position Green Bay took since Aaron Rodgers in the first round. So uh, it's they're they're not normally doing it. They could have they could have gotten Pittman Higgins. Yeah. Uh, the the guy from Colorado, I don't want to butcher his last name uh, because we know I'm used to butchering the shit out of people's names on this show already. But Chenault, I, just say Chenault. Chenault, there you go. But uh, all those guys still available. They still had plenty of talent available to to help Devontae, my boy from Fresno State, Devontae Adams out. But they didn't, which just kind of shows where they think Aaron Rodgers is at and everything. Yeah. But 
But uh, jumping into straight into your next one, Bri, I know, again, I know you love you some running backs. Uh, 2019 had some great rookie running backs that had some good fantasy values, guys like Josh Jacobs, who would have finished better if he, he, if he would have played the full season. Uh, a Miles Sanders ended up being a, a top five running back the last five weeks. He was a, was a great guy, and now he's going to get the load in Philly. So do you see any guys, or do you think any of the guys that were drafted in this 2020 draft, do you see them being the next Miles Sanders or Josh Jacobs? Yeah, I I am a huge believer in Clyde Edwards-Lair. Um, I think going into KC, I understand Damian Williams is there. Uh, I think Clyde's going to take over. You know, they already love this kid. They're already saying he's like, you know, just doing great in the virtual system, catching on to the schemes really quickly. And, you know, Andy Reid uh, said he's a better uh, running back than he's ever had in his in his, in his his career. He's the best yeah he's ever had and he kid hasn't even taken a snap yet so it just goes to show you how much Andy Reid believes in him so I think that he's definitely one you got to keep an eye on uh and Damian Williams has some injury concerns himself so if Damian goes down and they plug in Clyde Edwards Hilaire I don't think Damian ever gets back in there uh yeah I think he would take over that role and and he would do a great job. Uh, the other the other two that I would go with is is Jonathan Taylor. I think Jonathan Taylor of this draft class is just an an a, a monster, just an absolute yeah. monster. This kid is fast. He's big. He's physical. The only downside to him is his fumbling problem. So yeah. if they can fix that, I think they got themselves a starting running back. You know, late. And that's somebody who, in my opinion, probably should have been the first running back off the board. But obviously, uh, other other teams weren't thinking the same way just because of his, his fumble, uh, fumbling issues. And, you know, talking with some of our NFL sources that we have, um, you know, I know that when they were in Indy at the Combine, that was a huge concern. Even after he ran his 40, I was texting our buddy, and I'm like, man, did you see Jonathan Taylor's 40 time? And he's like, yeah, but the kid can't hold on the ball. So that's kind of yeah. just that overall consensus of some of the scouts. Uh, they look at those fumbling issues and they, they just see it as like a huge problem. I see it as a, uh, a, tiki, a tiki barber, right? Yeah. Tiki barber had the same problem. And then they, fixed changed, it. they changed the way he carried the ball. They fixed it and he had a, a, a great career. Yeah. Um, so I, I feel like if they can fix that with Jonathan Taylor, the kid can catch out of the backfield and obviously he can run the ball really well. So another... I like- Another weakness for for Taylor's is his pass protection. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's another another thing that can halt a rookie's time coming in or limit his his time on the field. Is is one can he hold on to the ball and and two if he can pass protect as well. So pass yeah. protection is a is a big thing coming into the league as a rookie running back. I know they thought Philip Lindsay was is was the same way coming in. They thought he was a little too small. Didn't know if he could pick up a blitzing linebacker. It's just not something that's taught. As a, as a former college coach, uh, for the most part, running back coaches just focus on being able to hit the holes as well as be able to to hold on to the ball. So th- yeah. there's not there's not a lot of time spent on pass protection, which I think can be taught, and, and he could be good right there. Yeah, and he he addressed those concerns at the at the combine. I actually remember him talking about there was two things that were still questions other than his fumbling uh, with some teams, which was his pass protection and his ability to catch out of the backfield. I know during his uh, his pro day, he made an emphasis to catch a lot of passes out of the backfield to yeah. show teams like, hey, I can do this. I just wasn't utilized that way. Um, yeah. So it's not something that I can't do. It's just something I wasn't really asked upon doing. But he knows that that was a question in teams' minds, and he went about it the right way by, you know, scheming that into his pro day. Because that's, you know, let's let's face it, pro days are a total script. You know, they know what teams are looking for, so they'll try to show and showcase that ability there at the, at the uh, their pro days. So, you know, Jonathan Taylor, a name to keep an eye on. Again, you know. There's there's Marlon Mack out there who had a good season last year. So another dual another dual running back team where it's kind of like if an injury happens, he's a great handcuff because he's yeah. going to have a, a great year. And Marlon Mack also coming off an injury as well. So who knows what what can happen there as well. Clyde just to kind of go back to back to to Clyde. He's he's not the track star. 
that uh, KC's got at, at wide receiver out there. But he lacks that top-end speed, but he's just a really, really very good lateral agility. And I just think out there in KC, I hate to say it. I know you hate to see him go there as well, but the rich get richer out in KC, something that was a clear clear hole in their offense last year was the ability to to have a running back that could be that threat to them in the running game and now Casey has it yeah yeah what other uh what other running backs are you looking at so I got two more on my radar um that I'm going to be looking at which is uh Cam Akers with the Los Angeles Rams Uh, love the pick Todd Gurley's gone right so they got Malcolm Brown Malcolm who and uh (laughs) now they got Cam Akers so Cam Akers is somebody in in my league I'm going to be looking for a little bit later in the draft and hoping I might be able to swoop him up and hopefully he can pick up and and you know take off where where Todd Gurley left off two years ago when he was you know taking the league by storm and just running all over everybody I I think that he has that ability so I think that that's a really solid uh rookie running back to be keeping an eye on and then lastly for me I'm gonna say Keyshawn uh, Vaughn for the uh Tampa Bay uh Buccaneers oh okay They've got starting running back Ronald Jones, who, you know, did did well last year. But I think Vaughn is going to be that next little scat back receiver out of the backfield that Tom Brady loves to find. Um, the James Whites. The James Whites, you know, like he's not somebody who's going to probably get in there and run the ball 25 times a game, but he's going to catch, you know, six to eight passes out of the backfield. And that's where he's going to, you know, have a lot of his impact. That for me is something that I would be keeping an eye on far as, you know, somebody I'd be looking for. I agree with Cam Akers. I love, love that pick for, for the Rams. With Todd Gurley and, and departing whatever knee issues that he's got going on. But I think Akers is, is one of the most complete and underrated running backs in this draft class. I think he's, he has great patience. He definitely has very good contact balance fights for for extra yards he can catch out of the backfield I I think Cam Akers can go in there I I know last year when Todd Gurley was was having some issues I know I looked to to Malcolm Brown and I mean Malcolm Brown had every chance to be able to to take that position and take that starting role from Todd Gurley and be a a fantasy impact running back and did jack shit. Yeah, he, so, just did, he just didn't amount to it. He didn't do he didn't do shit. So yeah. I, I I see Cam Akers coming in, kind of like Clyde, and being able to to take that starting position during camp to yeah. to start off the season as a starter. Whereas Jonathan Taylor, I see as a split running back with with Marlon Mack. I'm actually going to go with uh, DeAndre Swift for for Detroit as a as another one. I, I like Keyshawn Vaughn as well. Uh, but I'm going to go with a DeAndre Swift as another one to, to kind of keep the eye out on just because Johnson, KJ, coming off a, a big injury out there in Detroit, was having a really good season until he got injured. I think DeAndre Swift definitely can make a big impact for Detroit and, again, come in, be able to kind of take that position right away yeah. from from KJ uh, and be able to see, do it. see it's not the it's not the ability of taking the position it's the ability of the lions can't fucking run the ball uh they've got the bear, <laughs> they've got the barry that's sanders true. curse bro they've got the barry sanders curse uh, that's true i mean when was their last time their last uh, thousand yard uh, running back barry sanders uh, yeah yeah i mean come on now uh it's been quite a while they can't get anybody to rush for over a thousand uh and the broncos just picked up their one of their best offensive linemen yeah, took so, uh, their their center that had started four years in a row for them at center or guard, and the Broncos just swooped them up on free agency. So they lost a lost someone, there. but with DeAndre and his biggest thing is just he's five eight two twelve. He's solid route runner that shows some some soft hands, but I think something that will pop up and surprise a lot of people is that he's actually good in pass protection which will get him on the field much faster than than some of the other rookie running backs. Yeah, I like him a lot. Uh, another another one that I really did like and I'll keep an eye on um, is J.K. Dobbins. Uh, J.K. Dobbins is a stud, man. I, I, I don't pay too much attention uh, to Ohio State as much as, as I probably should because they always have so much talent.
talent coming out of there. But I, I started looking at J.K. Dobbins when we started doing our evaluations for for that live draft that we held. And man, this kid has some ability. Yeah. I don't. I don't think he was being utilized nearly as much as he could have as he could have been with Ohio State. Uh, yeah. You know, the only downside to J.K. Dobbins is he went to the Baltimore Ravens where they got Mark Ingram, and Mark Ingram had a great year last year. Uh, yeah, and he can't. 10, so it, he doesn't really have very good hands. He catches with his body, which is another like if you wanted to get on the field, show that you can catch the ball to to be able to take some targets away from a Mark Ingram and the monster year that Mark Ingram had. I, it's gonna be hard to get him on the to, field. Yeah, and yeah. last one that that I want to keep an eye on is is this Zach Moss at a at a Buffalo. I think Devin Singletary has a has a good handle on on that starting job. But again, I wouldn't draft Zach Moss, but it could be someone that I could look to late in the season to see how he's doing, to see if he's going to be taking some some targets in the pass game as a, a flex late in the season if on a bye week if I if I really needed one, but I think he'll end up being able to to share that backfield which is kind of what's going to scare me about having Devin Singletary on my roster is that a nice rookie's coming in that could take some some volume away from me. Yeah, and the one thing that I can say to a lot of people, and especially if you have deep benches and you can afford it, um, stash some of these players away and just wait. I made the mistake last year. I had Miles Sanders and Devin Singletary on my bench last year, and it was at that point in the in the season where they weren't doing anything yet. So I was like, and and pre preseason out they were being heavily hyped and I was like okay these guys are going to be sleepers that I'll be able to pick up and and hopefully they'll be able to do something for me and it I I just cut bait with them a little too soon because then Sanders like you said the final five weeks of the season was top five I mean I cut him probably two weeks before he started going off I was yeah I was pretty bummed about that once he started going off I was like damn you um, <laughs> <laughs> but but that's the one thing that I can say with a lot of rookies is if you have deep benches and you can afford to stash them, don't get impatient and cut bait towards the end of the season. When it really matters, you might be able to get something out of them, especially if you're making a playoff push and, and, you know, injuries happen and things like that. And then, you know, you're low on the list for uh for waiver wire priority and you can't get them because, you know, somebody ahead of you has a, a higher priority and they pick them up. You'll be kicking yourself. Uh, so be patient with some of these players. If you do draft them, you know, stash them away, hold on to them and just, you know, hopefully they'll be able to pan out. Now, that being said, if you got to cut them because you've got other needs, Hey, I get it. That's what happened to me. And and I have a short bench. We only do four people bench. So that's, you've got to be very selective with who you try to stash and hold on to. And again, everyone that we've talked about here is going to be a top two running back starting on their roster. So uh, they're either going to come in and compete for a starting role, or they're going to get a lot of carries early on in camp to see if they can be there as a second rounder, as a second rounder. So uh, it's not something that uh, the running backs, we we know if you're in that 12, especially in a 12 person league, there's not a lot of running backs off, off free agency coming, coming out. So if you have a deep bench league, a couple of these names here are people you can stash on those league if if you have a short bench, if you want to look towards a running back that we think look Clyde, look at Jonathan Taylor, look at uh, Cam, Cam Akers, on yeah, Swift, yeah, those are kind of exactly your, those are kind of your top five. And I I, I meant I meant uh, second stringers, not second rounder. Don't take these guys in the second round. <laughs> but, but yeah, second stringers. You know, the, they'll be they'll be vying uh, vying for that starting role, or if not, they'll be second string on their teams, and they'll they'll be heavily utilized. These aren't kids that are just going to be put on a, on a depth chart and never see the field. These are guys that are going to see the field. It's just how much will they be, be utilized. Yeah, exactly. And before we jump into to wide receivers here, uh, let's take a, just a quick pause to, to hear our sponsored message. Hey there, this is Michelle with Shinoni Insurance Services. Shinoni Insurance is here to assist you with all your insurance needs. If you're looking for competitive rates on home, auto, or renter's insurance, then we are the team for you. Give us a call at 408 408- nine two seven nine zero two nine or visit us at our website at www.shinoneins.com that's s-c-h-e-n-o-n-e-i-n-s.com we look forward to helping you with all your insurance needs all right thank you thank you for that uh sponsored message here another key position and 
we, we talked a little bit about it, the, the wide receivers. Again, 13 wide receivers taken in the first 64 picks. Uh, that is an NFL record. 36 wide receivers taken overall. Another NFL record. Uh, again, there were some late-round wide receivers last year's rookies in 2019 that, that turned out to be some good wide receivers. I mean, you have A.J. Brown. Uh, you got Scary Terry, uh, DK. Uh, all, all these wide receivers ended up being some decent, decent wide receivers to have on your on your team. AJ Brown, especially being the the twelfth best wide receiver, so there, it's proof that you can pick wide receivers late in the draft, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, and still get good value out of someone that could also be a nice trade. But Bry, going going into twenty twenty here, do you see? any of these rookie running or wide receivers, excuse me, having a good fantasy impact? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that there's going to be more rookie wide receiver impact uh, this year than any other year, just because of that talent. Um, I think that, you know, obviously going back to what we said with the virtual stuff, um, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But I kind of have this inkling that whoever is the most athletic will be able to, you know, stand above the rest just based on athleticism and, and their quarterback getting them the ball because they know that they're a stud. Uh, so you've got, obviously, with our first round, you had six wide receivers taken. I think all six of these guys are worth having on a roster. Um, I think that they're, they're all going to have huge impact. Uh, obviously, there's a, there's a couple, you know, second round and later that we'll talk about, but th- these first six are definitely the ones to keep an eye on. Um, starting with my Las Vegas Raiders, first wide receiver taken off the board. A little bit of a shocker. Uh, maybe not necessarily the way I would have gone, uh, but they went Henry Ruggs. Uh, and, and as we saw live, my face kind of said it all. I, I think Henry Ruggs is, is a great wide receiver. Do not get me wrong. I don't think he was the best in the class, but I feel like the Raiders are, you know, it was either Al Davis speaking from above because of his 40 time, or as we all know, the NFL is a copycat league and they're trying to keep up with that, that firepower that the, uh, the chiefs have. And they're trying to find their Tyreek Hill basically. Um, so Henry Ruggs yeah. fits that mold. If you look at the Raiders depth chart, they've got Tyrell Williams who finished wide receiver 43 last year and Hunter Renfro as a rookie finished wide receiver 61. Uh, these are obviously not high numbers to be finishing at. So I think Henry Ruggs is going to have a ton of volume coming his way. They're going to be using him out of the backfield. They're going to be using him in trick plays. They're going to be using him out on the posts. They're going to be throwing him in, you know, streak routes. They're going to be doing everything with this kid just to get him the ball. Uh, yeah. So I think Henry Ruggs is going to be somebody that is not only going to be on your roster, he's going to be a starter on a lot of rosters uh, yeah. be- because of that, that volume that's going to be coming his way. Agreed. So think- and and he's going into a position that isn't crowded onto the roster. Like you said, the, the wide receivers obviously are, are a little lacking there in Oakland. But not, not only does he have top-end regular speed, the guy can catch. Yeah. Only four drops his whole entire college career. So that is something that is, is nice to see. And Raider fans should definitely be excited. Fantasy owners should be excited is that if Raiders can use him correctly – the guy can catch the damn ball. He, he's not going to make a lot of drops. He definitely can can make an impact early on. Yeah, and I, I forget the exact stat. Uh, I wish I would have I would have wrote this down before we started, but he has like this ridiculous stat. So if you got a, a second to Google something, go check this out. But it was something like twenty five percent of the time or something like that over his college career when he caught a pass, he took it to the house which is a crazy uh, percentage for basically one out of four times you throw this guy the ball, he's, he's getting a touchdown. Yeah. That's a crazy stat. Now, if that translates over to the NFL, he's going to be getting a lot of touchdowns. So definitely someone to keep an eye on there and, and tons of ability. Go and draft somebody at the 13th pick. I, I would hope they'd be getting him the ball. I know a lot of people knock Derek Carr for his ability to throw deep downfield. I I urge everybody to go look at Derek Carr's percentages of where he ranks amongst the NFL in deep throws. Uh, It's at the top. Definitely has that ability. What Derek Carr hasn't had is someone to throw it to. I mean, 
let's look at who he's been throwing to over the last, you know, four years of his career. He, he's been throwing to a bunch of nobodies. We thought he was going to have Antonio Brown and then the whole, you know, saga went down last season uh, before all that happened. And we never really got to see what Derek Carr could be with an elite wide receiver. Now, am I saying Henry Ruggs is going to come in and be an elite wide receiver off the bat? No, but he's definitely at the top of the best talent we've ever had at the wide, re- wide receiver position with Derek Carr. And he can, Derek Carr can hook the ball. And, and what a lot of people don't kind of obviously see is they sometimes they can read into stats. I went to Fresno State around the same time that Derek Carr was there. I, I was able to see the deep ball isn't there if his wide receiver isn't open. It, it tends to sail over the head out of bounds. He would rather throw it out of bounds than – then throw an interception, make sure that his wide receiver has the best chance to to get to make the play on himself. But he can definitely hook the ball. Challenge you guys to to go see some of the stuff that he's been posting recently. Yeah, uh, I mean he he can hook the ball. So he's yeah, he, he's, a big, he's a he's a monster, man. I love Derek Carr. I love him. He gets so much bad rap and and people just don't like him for whatever reason and then they're always saying Gruden doesn't want the guy and every single draft they're drafting a quarterback and then the draft comes and goes and they didn't pick any quarterbacks and it's like I don't know where these media people get their information but all of them need to be fired bunch of fake news (laughs) I again I went to Fresno State so I hate the one team I didn't want him to go to he went to he went to the Raiders which he would have been a Bronco or anywhere else for that matter but got to root for the guy got to root for the the good character he brings to the game just a good influence David always used to say when when Derek was in car David was former first round pick that obviously didn't really get a, a fair shot being the expansion quarterback with Houston but always said that Derek Carr had more ability and looked better as a quarterback than he did and he, he can do it he had Amari Cooper that dropped everything that he fucking threw to him. So give him a chance. Henry yeah. Ruggs can catch the ball. Who, who's your number two out here? I got to go with uh, Jerry Judy. Um, Jerry, Judy, Jerry Judy uh, gets drafted by Denver a couple picks after the Raiders pick. That's who I wanted. Um, I just think he's the cleanest route runner <clears throat> in this whole draft. I mean, if you watch him in and out of his breaks, he's so fluid with it. It just looks so easy and just very effortless. Yeah. You know, a little bit, a, a little bit of a uh, opportunity out there as well. You know, Cortland Sutton finished wide receiver 18. So they have a clear number one with, with Sutton. I think Judy's going to take even more pressure off of Sutton and he's going to get some looks if Sutton's getting de- uh, double teamed, you know, plug in Judy uh, back up to that is, Tim Patrick, who finished wide receiver 131. Uh, so he's going to have uh, the ability to get on the field and and a lot of impact really, really early on. Yeah, and and just, again, they have Noah Fant there as well, who's who's going to be a big target for at, at tight end. So Jerry Judy's going to get his looks. It's, it's going to either open up Cortland Sutton more, and once Cortland Sutton starts to break out in individual games, they're going to shift that double coverage o- over to Sutton for sure, and then all of a sudden – Boom, Jerry Judy can can be a little bit can open up a little bit more. He can definitely, I mean, his his hip flexibility is insane. Like you said, just effortless route runner, just looks so smooth. I know a lot of people said that he's one of the best route runners that they've ever come across. Yep. And out of college. Todd McShane so Kuiper said it's the best best route runner they've ever evaluated. Yes. Yeah. So which is huge praise. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And a uh, cool little stat here that that we were able to pull up was the the first time since 1938 that the first two wide receivers off the board with Ruggs and Judy came from the same school. So definitely Alabama had some weapons for t- for Tua. Now they're going to to rivals. Uh, I know Ruggs and Judy spoke highly of each other as well. So definitely going to be interesting. I agree. I I think both of these have to be on your roster if you can get them. 
you can get these guys a little bit later so you can stack your your roster with those running backs. Yeah, these are some rookies that you'll want to be looking at later on. If you follow our advice and you go running backs heavy in the in the beginning of the draft, these are some guys to keep an eye on because you can get them later and they might end up being, you know, just as good as some of those guys going in the first round. You know, every year exactly. there's, there's surprises, right? And I feel like these guys have the highest ceilings um, along with my other uh, pick, which is Justin Jefferson. Uh, I put Justin Jefferson up there as well, a uh, starter opposite of Adam Thielen, who was having some, uh, some hammy issues last year. Uh, they get rid of Stefan Diggs. So, you know, plug in Justin Jefferson, wide receiver two uh, on that roster, and they're going to be getting him the ball a lot. Yeah, and he's a natural hands catcher, excellent length and above average body control. You got some good, th- uh, excuse me, some good top end speed to to threaten vertical. I think they end up kind of getting a younger version of of Stefan Diggs without the drama, uh, essentially, without the drama. So he he's coming in and uh, he's going to be able to to make an impact early. And if Thielen goes down, since he's made a glass, it seems all of a sudden Justin Jefferson here becomes a clear number one favorite for cousins out there in Minnesota. Yeah. Now my next up was a, it was a shocker. And if you watched our live draft, my, my jaw probably hit the floor when you were watching. Uh, Cause we got the Intel before, you know, anybody even announced the pick and uh, CD lamb going to the Dallas Cowboys when they had, Thanks. I mean, don't get me wrong. Love the pick. Uh, Dallas needed that that guy, but it's almost like they re-signed Amari Cooper in the offseason, not thinking any of these guys would make it to them. And then, you know, CeeDee Lamb falls in their lap, and now they might be kicking themselves because they've got Amari Cooper who they're giving $100 million over yeah. the next four years. They got Michael Gallup who did a damn good job last year finishing wide receiver 30. So they've got two guys out there that are top 30 wide receivers in the league. Yep. Amari finishing wide receiver 10. So will CeeDee Lamb see as much volume as, as probably some of these other guys we've already discussed? Probably not. But in a keeper league or in leagues where, you know, you're, you're starting more wide receivers, some leagues start a little bit more, uh, maybe that's an option for you. Talent is there. I mean, he's, he's definitely more talented than Michael Gallup. Uh, yeah. Gallup's going to get that second wide receiver spot because of what he did last year, just by, you know, in essence of what he, what he, what he was able to accomplish on the field. So uh, Lamb, you know, obviously he's an easy pick for somebody to say like, oh, you know, CeeDee Lamb's great. And he went to the Cowboys, but it's like, yeah, but look at his opportunity there. That for fantasy wise, that hurts his, his stock for a team. Great pick by the Cowboys. But for if you're, team. but if you're a fantasy player, you're like, damn you guys, he would have done better <laughs> on 31 other teams. And you guys picked him when you already have two good wide receivers. Like you just screwed everything. So again, you know, someone I think is, is a great talent. Um, also a guy that I would have loved for the Raiders to have drafted at 13 when we picked Henry Ruggs. Um, any one of those three, Ruggs, Judy, or Lamb, I would have loved to have had. Yeah. So a little bit of a, a, little bit of a stinger based off of where he went. And then next up, Jalen Rager out of TCU going to Philadelphia. What do you think about that pick? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of torn. I, I think he has the talent. But I, he's definitely going to get the opportunities. He's he's going to get more opportunities than a, a CD Lamb will. They really don't really have much out there in in Philly, right? I mean, you have uh, Deshaun Jackson, who always hurt, finished one ten. You have Alshon Jeffrey, who was hurt fifty five. So they definitely have wide receivers out there that are older, get injured quite a bit. So he can definitely come in, slide in, be able to take some volume right away. I definitely would have liked someone uh, a little bit flashier. He he flashes the uh, ability to to be able to sit in the soft zone spots, but I think he's a little raw and needs a little bit more, but he's going to be able to produce more volume than a CD Lamb will in Philly. Yeah, no, I agree with that. But but also going to opportunity, you know, Alshon being injury prone, Deshaun Jackson being made of glass. Uh, if if either one of those guys go down, uh, Rager is going to see 
a he's the number one volume. And Carson Wentz is a, a great quarterback. I mean, Carson is. Wentz is a guy who can sling the ball. He'll get it to him. And they were hurting for talent last year. I mean, they 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 were beating teams with guys off their practice squad last year. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh yeah. So if if they get a talent like a Rager in there, I'd be hard pressed to think that Carson Wentz isn't going to figure out a way to get this kid the ball. On draft boards, he was in that kind of zone. Some people had him higher. Some people had him lower in the second round Some over some wide receivers. So they, he definitely has the raw talent. But at least Philly went out there and said, you know what? We need to get Carson Wentz a weapon. A weapon. And they we did. did it. Yeah. So, you know, they, they, they're addressing needs. That's, that's the whole point of the game here when you get to the draft. And, you know, you're addressing needs. You know, there's, there's different philosophies. There's some people who are like, best player on the board regardless of position. But it's like, if you don't need the position and say it's a quarterback and you got a guy who's, you know, been in the league for four years and he's your franchise, why the hell are you going to draft a quarterback even if he is the best guy left on the board? So that exactly. philosophy really doesn't make a ton of sense to me. For the Eagles' sake in this, in this case, you know, they went with need and – and the guy that they probably wanted. So great. Exactly. What about Brandon Ayoke? Man, so I, you guys caught me laughing on the live draft on this one. I, <laughs> I, honestly, I think that they messed up not taking Judy. Uh, yeah. And, and like, why would you trade a, a, a defensive lineman and then go draft a rookie in the first round? That's basically yeah. like saying like, oh, we fucked up. You know, (laughs) why would you do that? I get it because his contract was up. You were going to have to pay him a ton of money. So you go out and get a younger version of him on your D line. And then you don't have to get, you know, pony up and pay him all the cash. I get it from that standpoint, but from a standpoint of talent and and looking at Ayuk versus Judy, are you kidding me? Like, yeah, we're not even talking in the same, in the same realm of talent here. Uh, So I I think Ayuk is for sure going to have a ton of, uh, opportunity out there with Debo Samuel finishing wide receiver 36, uh, Kendrick Bourne being their next best wide receiver last year, finishing wide receiver 67. Emmanuel uh, Sanders gone. Emmanuel Sanders is gone to the Saints. So you're, you're talking, you've got two wide receivers on your team currently who didn't even finish top 32 in the league. They, they wouldn't even start on most other teams. Debo Samuel, though, is super talented. Uh, yeah. I, I like Samuel a lot, so I think he's, he's your clear number one out there in Frisco uh, or in Santa Clara. Brandon Ayuk, I think, is going to have a, a ton of opportunity. I'm just a huge – I'm just not a believer in Jimmy Garoppolo. I, yeah. I, I know I'm probably an anomaly to a lot of our buddies and stuff that we talk to because they're all Niners fans out there in the Bay. And I try to talk some sense into these guys. I think he is so overhyped. Uh, it, it's nauseating. He, he's, he's a check down master. He can't win you the game. I mean, we saw that in the Super Bowl. If, yeah. the, if it comes down to Jimmy Garoppolo winning you the game, is that really who you want back there? Not me. Absolutely um, not. So I, I, I think he's, he's, way overhyped i'm not a garoppolo believer at all uh but again you know they were in the super bowl last year they're doing something right uh they've got a really good offensive scheme so they're going to be getting Ayuk the ball he's a big bodied receiver he's somebody who can who can you know catch the ball he's uh great off of breaks he's you know great ability to get in and out of his cuts he's uh fast enough to give you that vertical threat so i think he's gonna he's gonna flash this year but i just i i'd put him at the the bottom of the list in terms of those top uh receivers that were taken in that first round yeah i i agree and that this next one that i'm going to bring up i i would pick this next guy over uh iuk over here i think iuk is kind of a similar person as as debo samuel can can come around the edge with that he, he's coming off a big injury that prevented him playing in the senior bowl so he, he wasn't able to to run and actually show what he can actually do i know mel kuyper it was really really high on him coming out of asu so we'll see what they can do we'll see what shanahan can scheme around but i i would choose a michael Pittman. I think he's going to get a lot of volume out there in Indianapolis with Phillip Rivers. Yeah, I love that pick. I think that Michael Pittman is going to be a huge rookie sleeper this year. Uh, I think a lot of people kind of look at uh, T.Y. Hilton and Zach Pascal being out there and being like, oh, they've already got their number one and number two. I think Pittman's going to overtake Pascal. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be Ty and Pittman out there, and then you've got you bring in Rivers, who's got a big arm, and you know he he definitely can get you some yardage there. I think 
that, that that's a great pick and they've got one of the best offensive lines in the league so yeah ton, tons of opportunity for him to get open and for rivers to get him the ball and and he's a got really really good body control i mean he's a sure-handed wide receiver and he's definitely been effective with with covering picks flash as a punt returner so he's definitely shows you that the athleticism he's not your explosive route runner like uh, a Jerry Judy, but I, I think he's going to be a similar style wide receiver that that Rivers had in in Los Angeles with Keenan Allen. I, I think he's going to be a similar wide receiver for Philip Rivers like that. I, I look at Michael Pittman as having having a big year. Uh, I, I would slide him slide him right above when it comes to fantasy. I'd slide him above C.D. Lamb for and, sure and be possibly the the fourth fourth best wide receiver after a Judy a Ruggs a J- Jefferson and I would probably go with a with a Michael Pittman after that yep 100% I agree with that as your top four rookie producers fantasy wise um, are, are going to have the best the best years um, yeah next up well another guy that I really like uh, is T Higgins Bengals had a, had a had a solid draft they did what they needed to do they went and got their quarterback next round what did they do they went and got him a weapon so you're now pairing Higgins with Burrow for the foreseeable future that's kind of going to be your 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 uh, starting quarterback, starting wide receiver. And I think T Higgins is, is way, way underappreciated for what he was able to do out there in Clemson. I mean, if you yeah. look at, if you look at how he finished his career off with 27 receiving touchdowns, he tied Deandre Hopkins and Sammy Watkins for the school record that, yeah. I mean, I don't understand why he fell to the second round. If I'm the Eagles or or the Niners, I'm taking T. Higgins before I took uh, before I took Rager or uh, Ayuk. You know, exactly. I'm, ta- I'm taking Higgins. So yeah. a little bit of a shocker that he even fell to them. Uh, but I like him a lot. Obviously, AJ Green didn't play last year. They've got John Ross and Tyler Boyd out there. So kind of a, a, a deep depth chart in, in wide receivers out there in Cincinnati. Uh, but I think he'll be able to set himself apart. More than likely, it'll be A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd. So T. Higgins kind of falls into that same C.D. Lamb saga with with a lot of talent there. You know, I know I know talent and Bengals really don't go hand in hand, but they do have talent at the wide receiver position. That is one position that they actually have talent at. So yeah. you got to look at that and say to yourself, you know, is he going to see the volume that I'm going to want him to see? Probably not, but I think talent-wise in the foreseeable future, keeper leagues, things like that, T. Higgins is definitely a name to keep an eye on. Exactly, exactly. And Joe Burrow's got to love those young wide receivers out there that they're they're stacking him with. Now, off to the the tight ends. Only only one rookie tight end last year finished in the in the top fifteen. So uh, definitely don't need to spend much time uh, touching up on on these people. Eight tight ends taken in four rounds. Most NFL teams are are kind of using utilizing two tight ends systems one's a, a good blocker one's good downfield one can sit in kind of sit in the zone so it's just <clears throat> you're definitely not looking at big producers but who do you have as as a rookie tight end that could could possibly be a late draft pick or even someone to pick off a, a waiver wire later in the season I mean, if you're looking for opportunity for your tight end, which is what we're all looking for, for fantasy points, um, I got two names for you. Uh, Cole Komet in Chicago, their current tight end finished tight end 43. Terrible. That means that there was other teams in the league who had tight ends who finished higher than their starter, (laughs) if you put that into perspective here. (laughs) So, yeah, he's definitely going to be a plug-in starter, in my opinion, uh, for the Bears. Uh, Problem is, is they got Trash Bisky. So how good do I feel about that? Do I want Cole Komet out there with Trash Bisky? Probably not. Um, if I'm hurting, bye weeks, things like that, guy to keep an eye on. Um, and then secondly, uh, I'm going to butcher the name here, but Devin Asaisi, As- As- A-S-I-A-S-I. Go Google it. That's him. Yeah. He went to the New England Patriots. And what do we know about the New England Patriots? They breed tight ends out there. And, yep. you know, 
problem there is they they've lost Tom Brady so who's to know what might come of their their uh their tight end this year uh if Tom Brady was still there I think this is a kid that would be a an instant plug-in starter for a lot of teams um without Tom Brady who knows what he's going to be able to do out there with with whoever they replace Brady with when all is said and done um but their current starter finished tight end 56 so definitely a lot of opportunity there for both of those guys. But those are the two two rookie tight ends that I I would, you know, be looking at. Aside from that, I'm kind of, you know, not really interested in any of the rookie tight ends this year for for drafting purposes. No, definitely not uh, agreed. I mean, Trash Bisky, I mean, he was hucking the ball sometimes 50 times a game last year. So could definitely slide in, see some volume. Chicago ranked 31st in in the NFL last year with production from only 400 416 receiving yards from their tight ends so definitely can be a plug-in and play type of player right away for Chicago it's just again I don't trust Trubisky either so I'm gonna wait and see he'll be a waiver wire pickup for me if he ends up being a stud or whatever but uh some someone to also just toss out there real quickly and just because uh, I I know a little bit about it looking into into reading about him going to the Bronco Broncos Albert O um they call him Albert O is his nickname I I'm not going to pronounce it if Bryson can't yeah. pronounce uh, oh, uh, Oak, the other guy Oak, then Okwugabunum Okwugabunum I, have no I watched videos on how to pronounce his name because he pronounced <laughs> it, and I watched it for ten minutes, and I still can't fucking pronounce it. So <laughs> it's like I'm just gonna leave it alone. Syllables. Yeah, so I he's not gonna be a starter with Denver having Noah Fant. Noah Fant's gonna be the clear clear starter out, out there. Also, Jake Butts coming off a possible coming off an injury, then healthiest he's been since he injured his knee for Michigan in the in the bowl game that they played in. But Albert O did have 17 TDs playing with Drew Locke. So I just want to throw it out there that be aware of that when it comes to looking at Noah Fant, which will break down tight ends in a couple weeks here. So just know that because Albert O already has that relationship with Drew Locke, especially in the red zone, 17 TDs in two seasons. It's a lot coming from a tight end. Yeah, and you know Locke was out there, you know, getting them to draft this kid. He probably went to them and they're like, hey, I know we got Noah, but I've got a rapport with this kid already from the past. Exactly. And, and he's going to – he's he's got it. There's a lot of players that come into the league and then they'll go to their coaches during drafts and be like, you've got to pick this kid, especially when they go later in the draft. Um, so it's, it's something that I think a lot of people don't, you know, maybe realize is – a lot of times if if a player has a rapport with somebody already in the past and they're not a top, you know, first rounder, second rounder guy and they slip, a lot of these guys go to their coaches and they're telling them like, hey, you've got to pick this kid. He's really good and he's going to be great for our team. So if Noah Fant goes down, I plug in Albert O and, you know, they've already got that rapport. Exactly. Exactly. And and jumping into some just quick losers, give me give me two two winners and two losers of this NFL draft for you, Brad. So my top two uh, best draft classes for this year, uh, I've got ranked the Baltimore Ravens. I think that the Baltimore Ravens had the best draft. I mean, you go and look at it from top to bottom. They had such a great draft. Uh, second to them, you know, for, for football-wise, we're talking football-wise, not fantasy-wise, just for the overall team, I think that the Dallas Cowboys had a great draft. Um, yeah. I would rank them number two behind the Ravens. Uh, yeah, you know, they went and got Lamb, and, and everything else that they were able to do in the draft catapulted them up my boards as, as those being my 1A, 1B, uh, top two best draft classes. And then top two worst draft classes, I've got ranked the what the fuck are you doing Green Bay Packers uh, <laughs> at number one and uh, the Seattle Seahawks at number two. Two terrible drafts. I mean, yeah. you, you just go and the Seahawks overreached, the Packers, you know, were throwing darts at a dartboard, you know, from Helen Keller and who knows what the hell they were even doing. I, I just look at the Packers as that draft being one of those in 10 years from now going back and looking on it being like that might have been the worst draft class of all time. Uh, yeah. You know, you go and draft a, a quarterback with your first pick, a running back with your second pick when your top two positions on your team are quarterback and running back, like automatically grades you an F in my book. Um, so those would be my top two bests and my top 
two worsts. Nice, nice. I, How about I, you? I, I agree with the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, not only do you get J.K. Dobbins, which again, the NFL is two running back leagues. So now you got Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins. You got some really good, solid running backs to complement each other. But you ended up picking up probably the best linebacker in the class and they ended up picking up three defensive players that could be starters right away. So not only did you help out Lamar Jackson by giving them another offensive weapon, now they just stacked their defense. Number two, I'm going to go with the, the, with the Minnesota Vikings. You trade Stefan Diggs. You end up getting rid of that drama. You pull in Justin Jefferson. I think you, you don't lose anything in in that trade. You end up gaining stuff. You end up getting a young wide receiver that's a really good wide receiver. They filled all their needs, all their holes on their draft board. So I think they definitely did it. And they let the draft come to them. They, they didn't reach for anything. So I think they had a really, really strong draft as well. Uh, my two losers, it's hard not to to agree with Green Bay just completely shitting the bed with not getting Aaron Rodgers' help. Now you'd piss off Aaron Rodgers, which I know he likes to play with the chip on his shoulder, but now you just pissed off the the guy in your locker room that's running your team. But I'm also going to say uh, it's hard, but Seattle Seahawks. I think Seattle Seahawks didn't really have a very good draft as well as the Houston Texans. I think had had a poor draft, and I, I think Bill O'Brien might have been smoking the, the Wheaties as well. Uh, <laughs> at, right after the trade, he, he made the – the trade of DeAndre Hopkins, he made his draft board that same day. But yeah, that that's going to wrap up a, a lot of content again uh, that we were able to to drop for you guys. So, Bry, as my as my beer, I needed to get another two hearted ale over here going. So hit us up with those closing remarks. Yeah, first ship one of those out here to me to Texas. I got to try that bad boy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, just to, just to hit you guys with a, a little bit of closing remarks here. I uh, want to announce again our, our competition um, that we are currently holding. Uh, we, were announced, we announced that on our last episode. It's still ongoing. So if you haven't already, please go make sure to get three of your friends uh, to follow us, subscribe to us. Um, what we're going to be doing is anybody who follows us and subscribes to us, we're going to be putting you guys into a, a into a hat. We're going to be having a drawing for uh, uh, some t-shirts we're going to be giving away. So please make sure, go check out our Instagram, check out that post, make sure you follow it exactly how we said so that you can get put into the drawing and, and possibly win, a, win one of these cool shirts. Absolutely. Thank our sponsors out here, Air Care Heating and Cooling, uh, your number one heating and cooling provider out here in the in the Bay Area. Uh, you can reach them at 408-809-7350, or you can also visit them at aircareheatandcool.com. Thank you to our, our sponsors here. Yeah, definitely. And then uh, lastly, last thing to mention here is um, just make sure to uh, go check out our next episode. We're going to be covering quarterback uh, positional rankings. So it's going to be getting you guys ready for your drafts. Quarterbacks is something that we take very serious in, in, in evaluating. So hopefully you guys like the, the next episode and, and go give us a listen. As we say always, um, thank you to the fans, the listeners, the, the love, the support, everything that you guys have been giving us. Uh, make sure you guys go listen to us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Podbean, wherever you listen to your, uh, your podcast, you'll be able to find us at Fantasy Football BS. And again, uh, social media, Instagram, at fantasy football bs youtube at fantasy football bs and twitter at fantasy fb bs perfect thank you guys yeah thanks so much guys catch you guys on the next episode peace out <laughs> <laughs>